Good morning. morning. It's good to come over here, fortunately, on dry roads for the most part. It's good to see you. And let me see. There was one person in particular who told me I'm supposed to say hi to everybody, and that's Karen. So from my beloved wife, she wishes she could be here. She was uh, the accompanist this morning over in Fairbury. It's good to be here. And um, sounds like some of you got a chance to meet someone who's pretty special and impressive to me. Um, Seth's over here, and he's told you about what his plans are, which I will confess when I first heard surprised me. But the Lord is good. (laughs) On the other thing I want to say is, to all the dads, happy Father's Day. And to everyone who has a dad, happy Father's Day. God blesses us richly and abundantly. So let's turn to God's Word together. Will you please stand out of respect for... Words that Jesus himself has spoken. Let's turn together to the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 10. Especially verses 29 through 31. But we'll be looking at that whole section in there. Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 29. And here Jesus tells his disciples about being a disciple. And that stands for them and for us. Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the head, the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling us into a life of discipleship. Thank you, Father, that we can learn from Jesus. We can be changed by Jesus and equipped by Jesus. And thank you, Father, that the words that come to us from Jesus are so good that we have to share them. Teach us, Father, and show us your Son through your word. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So as I was reading through this passage, the first question that came to my mind is, how many People pay very much attention to sparrows. They're very common. They're all around us. A lot of times when I walk into the church or out of the church, there's a little group of them that I unintentionally scare off. Don't really think much about it. Through the hard winter and the hot summer, they stay. So much so that we don't really notice. And they're not majestic like eagles with their beautiful white heads and their eight-foot wingspan. Sparrow doesn't compare to that. They don't have long legs and that incredible patience of great blue herons. They don't glide in gracefully like white pelicans or suddenly plummet as they dive into the sea like brown pelicans. 
They don't hover around the sugar water or the flower blossoms like hummingbirds. You know, I realize that people do not normally tell somebody else that they're going to go sparrow watching. If you're a bird watcher, you're going for the big impressive things. On the other hand, God knows each one of them. He knows each individual sparrow and what it's doing and where it is. Now here in our little corner of Nebraska, we mostly notice the house sparrows. They're the most common, even though they're not native to the United States. They came over from England. I'm not quite sure who thought to bring them. But the next common that at least I've seen are chipping sparrows. I can explain them to you later. I, but I see those probably second most. You also might just see white-throated sparrows, white-crowned sparrows, Harris's sparrows, field sparrows, swamp sparrows, American tree sparrows, lark sparrows, clay-colored sparrows, grasshopper sparrows, fox sparrows, song sparrows, vesper sparrows, Lincoln sparrows, savannah sparrows, Henslow sparrows, and Lacan's sparrows. That's 18 types of sparrows that are, you might actually see and not even know it. I do know some people who can tell the difference. And here's Jesus, who said that not even one sparrow, whatever species of sparrow, not even one is ever forgotten by God. Not even one. Jesus taught it. Jesus said it. It's in the Bible, so it must be important. Jesus was teaching people about what's in the mind and the heart of God, his Father. And the point that Jesus has in telling this to us and to all of his followers is basically this. Not even one person is ever forgotten by God. Jesus said... You are more valuable than sparrows. This God remembers every sparrow in the history of the world and in every place in the world. And so much more. He remembers every human being in the history of the world and in every place of this world. And all of these human beings who've ever lived are more important in the eyes of God than many sparrows. He's saying that you are valuable to God. You are worthwhile to God. You are important to God. You are so important to him that he is aware of you every moment of every day, everywhere you go. I know that can kind of intimidate some people. I think it's a wonderful thing. God is with you whenever you're tempted, whenever you sin, whenever you fail. And he's with you through every temptation. He's with you whenever you repent. He's with you whenever you need his forgiveness. 
He's with you in every sorrow, every frustration, every success, and every joy. And he wants you to know it. Where do we find this passage then in Scripture? It's actually good to look at this passage in its context. So in Matthew chapter 10, if you're looking there, Jesus is teaching about how to live as one of his disciples. So first, he calls 12 men to come and follow him and enter into a life as his disciple. Now it was common then for teachers to gather a group just to teach them and then to send them out to teach others. So Jesus, in that culture, follows that normal pattern, except there's one enormous difference. Jesus' disciples are teaching the things that have been taught to them by the Son of God, the most important things we could ever learn. Now, as his disciples are sent out to teach what he calls the lost sheep of Israel, these are the instructions through this whole passage. There's 10. Number one, he tells his disciples, share the gospel and heal the sick. Number two, don't take any money and don't make it look like you're wealthy. Number three, some people will welcome you and the gospel, and some people will reject you because they reject the gospel. Number four, don't be afraid of those people who are persecuting or ridiculing or even killing because they oppose God's word. Number five, right in the middle, know that every person is more valuable to God than sparrows. Number six, be public about your loyalty to God the Father and to his Son, Jesus Christ. Number seven, expect that some people, even in your own families, will reject you because of your faith in Christ. We don't like hearing it, but that's the truth. Number eight, love God first above all things, even more than the family that he's entrusted to you. Number nine, take up your own cross and follow Jesus. And number 10, know that if you lose your life for the sake of the gospel, you will gain your life. So it's right there in the middle of this talk about what it means to live as a disciple of Christ, both the good news and the bad news about it, that Jesus assures them and us that God cares about us, that we have immense value and worth in his eyes. So then the next logical question, why would he also want the words of everlasting life to reach every person on earth? Simple answer is because they all have immense 
value and worth also. So let's look at what he teaches. Verse 24, Jesus says, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a servant above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the servant like the master. Is there someone you would like to be like? Who would you want to learn from? His disciples then and now look to Jesus. Look at the way that Jesus treated people. Look at the way that he boldly and compassionately told the truth. Look at the concern that he has for the sick and the crippled and the outcast. Look at what he was willing to give, even his own flesh and, and blood, in order to win forgiveness and everlasting life for people who do not deserve it. And also, this is more difficult. Look at the way that his honesty and his mercy stirred up so much rage and hatred. If they could accuse even Jesus of serving the devil or even being the devil, what might they say about his disciples? In verse 26, Jesus says, have no fear of them. He says the truth is going to come out and it will win out. So have no fear of government, or culture, or family, or friends. The word fear is used here four times. Probably because Jesus knows what a harsh and broken world this is. But his disciples do not need to fear the Roman authorities, or the ruling religious authorities, or the culture that strives to silence dissent or fear divisions in your own family. Don't fear that rejection or even that persecution. What matters first is God. And you know that he's watching over you and you know that he loves you. In Christ, because of who he is and what he's accomplished for you, you can live boldly and confidently because Jesus is real, and God's word is true. And people everywhere and in every time need to hear and learn what God has to say. And Jesus has those words of everlasting life. In verse 28, Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Sure, the Roman authorities did have the power to kill the body of Jesus and the bodies of his disciples. But they could not kill the soul. 
Souls are eternal. Every soul is eternal. And Jesus is the way for that soul to enter into everlasting living. Then in verse 29, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? They're precious to God, but not really that important to us. I'm not quite sure why someone would buy a sparrow. But the important thing here to think about is what does it cost to save a human life for eternity? The answer to that means that we look to the cross and look at who was nailed there to save you. Jesus did not allow himself to be crucified in order to save sparrows, but to save you. And in the eyes of God, there is nothing more precious to him than his own son, which shows how important you are to Jesus. <clears throat> God cares so much for those sparrows that he knows when one falls to the ground, not one of them is ever forgotten by God. How much more is he watching over you? Like a good father. God wants the best for his children. He wants his children to be upstanding, humble people. God has a desire for his children to be kind, to pursue justice, to act with mercy, to seek peace, to live lives of honor, and respect and integrity. And he doesn't just order us to do that. He spends time with us, growing those virtues in our lives. You know, all that time when I was between one and three, looking at those pictures, my grandfather spent a lot of time with me. 76 years old when I was born, he didn't care. He was down on the floor with me. He was playing with me. He had me on his lap reading the Bible to me and who knows what else. Probably law books or something. Anyway, but he's down there and I'm just cuddling with my grandpa on the floor and grandpa's whole thought process, his heart, his soul, his integrity was rubbing off. We can spend time with God himself. God likes to spend time with us. And as we do that, he's growing those virtues in our lives. Time in scripture is time with God. Time in prayer is time with God. Time together here in worship is time with God and with other people in his family. Every moment is worth it. And since today is Father's Day, let's acknowledge first God's fatherly care for us. He knows all the little details of our lives. He knows when we're hurt, when we fall. He even knows how many hairs we have on our heads. I have no idea. I can't even count Seth's or Eric's. He knows everything in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. He knows you. And in verse 31, Jesus reminds his disciples, fear not. 
Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Think about going all the way back to Genesis, right there in the first chapter. Remember, at the end of each of those first five days, God sees what's happened, and he says, it is good. Then on day six, he created the first people. And what does it say? Not that it's good. It's very good. Creation itself would not be complete without you. He had done everything necessary to hold heaven wide open to you while still leaving you free to turn away. And then finally in verse 32, Jesus says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now it's because we know this God who keeps track of us even more than he pays attention to the sparrows. This is the one whom we acknowledge. Him, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge him boldly and with gentleness and with respect. As we acknowledge how much God loves the people in his family who are living their lives under the cross of Christ, at the same time, God does not want those who are currently outside of his family to be lost forever because they're precious and worthwhile to him also. So this passage is important for the disciples of Jesus, both then and now. Jesus is teaching you. Jesus is spending time with you. Jesus wants you to know that you are valuable and worthwhile in the eyes and the heart and the mind of God. And from the cross, from that perspective, looking out over Jerusalem, looking, feeling the iron through his flesh, from the cross he saw that the result of that crucifixion would be your salvation and the salvation of everyone who trusts him. And in the old RSV that I grew up on, it says, and he was satisfied. So knowing how loved you are, remember those who do not know God. You know, I was, reading, I was remembering years ago when, I'm not going to tell a story about Seth, <clears throat> but when Eric was a baby, and I was scared because he was a baby, and we'd be sitting in one of the back pews at the church when I was home from seminary, and uh, I'd be holding Eric because uh, Karen didn't want to be holding Eric 100% of the time, so it was my turn. 
And I noticed that when the, the light was shining in his eyes, he'd start to stir and wake up and start to just start to get fussy. And I noticed that if my shadow was over him, he'd relax. He'd calm down. The sun wasn't in his eyes. He knew that he was being held about as safely as a father can hold a baby. But he was safe and he was relaxed. It kind of reminded, was reminded of that when I was reading about a father who would sometimes come home late from work when his um, little baby boy was already tucked in and asleep. So this dad would quietly, as quietly as he could, creep in to the crib and whisper goodnight to his little sleeping boy and then bend over the crib to give him a little kiss on the forehead. And that's when he noticed his shadow falling over this precious little boy. Because the nightlight was shining behind him, and that caused that, his own shadow to just to cover that whole crib. And it was, the baby was in that shadow for that moment because dad was near. And you could sleep in that love. Or if we're looking at sparrows, it's like those little hatchlings in the nest in the shadow of dad's wings or mom's wings, protected and nurtured. As disciples of Jesus Christ, you and I live in the shadow of the Lord. He is present with us always without end and without fail. In his presence, we find refuge and strength. Living in the shadow of the cross, because it's Jesus there, we find forgiveness. We find life. We find everlasting mercy. All by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you that we are not alone in this world, ever. Thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus Christ to earth, not just for himself, not just to give us a bunch of rules to follow, but in his presence we can know your mercy and your care. Because of Christ, the shadow of we're safely in the shadow of your wings. Heavenly Father, teach us to be disciples. Let us know what it's really like. Help us to spend time with you so that more of your ways can be our ways. Prepare us, Father, for faithful and humble service in this world, which so often seems so harsh, so broken. Help us, Father, to serve in the cause of mercy and compassion and forgiveness and everlasting life. Help us to be true to your word, to everything that's taught to us in Holy Scripture. And Father, help us to always speak the truth without compromising it and to speak it in love without compromising that either. Thank you, Father. Thank you for calling all of us into a life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. For we pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.